before I begin, let me take this opportunity to pray real quick. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I come before you, Lord Jesus, with no hidden gifts or talents, Lord God. All I have is this earthly vessel, Lord God. I pray, Lord God, that you use it for your glory, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, so a couple of days ago when Pastor Ron asked me if I, would, uh, if I would share a message, you know, a bunch of different thoughts started running through my mind, right? Because how many of you guys know that we're a busy church, right? There's so much going on, you know, with the church plan in Port Arthur. How many of you guys are excited about that? Yeah. Amen. Come on, somebody, yeah. right? So when Pastor uh, mentioned it, I started getting all these thoughts, you know, and I was like, man, there's so much to talk about, so much, so much to preach on. You know, kingdom expansion, and not just what we're doing in our community, but around the world, right? And um, all these thoughts started coming to my mind, and then I, ha- I kind of had to check myself. I had to check myself and get on my knees and pray and ask God, God, what is it that you want me to talk about? And God said, him. Amen? God said, him. So today what I want to do is I want to um, share this message. The title of the sermon is, The Virtue of Simplicity. The virtue of simplicity. So three weeks ago, Pastor Ron, he was preaching, and he said something that caught my attention. He said that just about any Christian today is more knowledgeable than any of the disciples or men of the Bible back in their day. Not because of the technology that we have, but for the simple fact that we have the Old and New Testament at hand, right? Which is something that they didn't have. And when he said that, I was like, wow, like that's true, right? That's true. And then I I started thinking about, you know, the prophets in the Old Testament and the way they would word their words and the way they would talk, you know, and the passion that they had. And I started thinking about, you know, the New Testament, the disciples and the apostles and Paul and the way they would preach and the way they would teach, right? So I started looking at all this and then I started thinking about Proverbs and, and, and Psalms and Lamentations, right? How these prophets and men of God, they would be in agony, They would be agonizers when people around them would be perishing, right? And we've all just experienced a tragedy in 2020 and 2021, right? 2.5 million people passed, you know? And I started thinking about that and I was like, wow, because when all that was happening, it was just like life goes on, you know? We got up and went to work, you know? And I was thinking like, where's that agony at today? Where's that compassion at? Because guess what? A lot of those people didn't know Christ. So our hearts should have been broken. You know, as Christians, we should have been in tears, right? But sometimes it's easy to get caught up with our everyday lives. So today what uh, I want to talk about, and when I'm sharing this message right here, I know that God is speaking to me because I, I, I felt it. Right? Because I know that a lot of times it's so easy to get caught up with trying to meet people's intellect that we lose focus on trying to reach people's hearts. So today what the Word of God tells us is that I know that it's important that we study the Word of God, right? I'm not saying that we shouldn't study the Word of God. You know, the Word of God tells us to study the Word so that we can show ourselves approved. Hosea 4, 6, right, says that my people lack, my people perish because of lack of knowledge. So I'm all for studying the Word of God. I love our 6 a.m. Bible study. Amen? I'm a regular there. You know, Pastor Ken, Pastor Jeff, we have some mighty men of God with so much information. I I learn a lot there. Right? But I know that at times it's easy to clutter the simple gospel with legalistic additions and convulsing attempts to legitimize moral compromise with psychological theories that turn churches into emotional support groups 
instead of houses of prayer or houses of worship. Amen? But today what I want to talk to you about is knowing Christ. Knowing Christ intimately. And the power of his resurrection and his sufferings. The simple message that Jesus proclaimed, it doesn't require a giant theological intellect, right? If, 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 If generations of illiterate peasants could have done it for centuries before us, why can't we? As long as we don't, we're not seduced by contemporary enlightenment that surrounds, us, that surrounds us, enticing us, right, to abandon what God has made simple. The first scripture that I want to share with you is John 17, verse 3. And the word of God reads, Now this is eternal life that they know you, the only true God, Jesus Christ, whom you sent. So here we have Jesus Christ on that final night when he's in the garden, when he's, in his, when he's on his way in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he's about to be taken captive and convicted by a kangaroo court and led out to Calvary where he's about to be crucified for the sins of every single one of us. Here we have part of this prayer that Jesus prayed on that night. And for me, you know, this is actually the Lord's Prayer. Because how many of us are familiar with the Lord's Prayer? Just about everybody in here, right? The Our Father. Well, I'm sure that everybody in here knows that the Father isn't actually the Lord's prayer for the simple fact that Jesus had no reason to pray for the forgiveness of sins, right? Because he was without sins. But what he was doing, he was teaching the disciples how they ought to pray. But here, in this prayer that Jesus was, was preaching, he was, actually, he was actually praying for the people that he was preaching to. And this is eternal life that they might know you, the only true God. Jesus Christ whom you sent. See, everyone, true religion, it's not about rituals. It's not about a set of rules. It's not about smoke or incense, right? True religion is to know Christ on a personal and intimate level. You know, we live in a generation today that when you hear the word intimate or intimacy, we think something physical, right? But that's not the case. True intimacy is to be able to stand before someone vulnerable, transparent, to be able to share your deeper, your deepest feelings, your inner thoughts, to be able to expose yourself before someone, right, completely. I know for me and my wife, the most intimate times that I've ever spent with my wife, you want to know what they are? Is when we both get on our knees, whether it's on the couch or in the living room, and we begin to pray on our knees. And I pray for her, she prays for me, we pray for our marriage, we pray for our pastors, we pray for our church. Right? We pray for whoever God puts in our hearts. That's intimacy to me. That's true intimacy. So today I want to talk to you about knowing Christ and being intimate with Christ. Because how many of you guys know that in order to know Christ, that means that Jesus Christ has to be alive? Come on, somebody. Are you with me here today? Come on. Right? Because I don't know about you, but my Jesus is alive. My Jesus talks back. My Jesus walks with me. Come on now. Right? So in order for you to know Christ, that means that Jesus Christ has to be alive, especially to get to know him on a personal level. Sure, you can go into a public library. You can look up an obituary. You can learn about someone, right? You can learn about their accomplishments, what schools they went to, what colleges they went to, right? Things they've achieved in life. You could even know about their relatives. But one thing you'll never be able to do is get to know that person on an intimate level, right? So what does that tell us? 
that our Jesus Christ is living. Because I'm telling you right now, I love going out into the streets. I love evangelizing. And, and I, I lead people to Christ all the time. Right? And people meet Jesus on a daily basis. So Christ is alive. He's living. So it's important that every single one of us, that we make time to know Christ. Jesus said, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. So first I want to say this, that Jesus is the road that we travel on. He's our example. 1 John 4.17, the word of God says, as he is, so are we in this world. John chapter 20, verse 21 says, Jesus said, as the Father has sent me, so I send you. And I know some of you guys here know Hebrews 12 too. It says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. See, brothers and sisters, we're meant to be like Christ. We're meant to imitate Christ. Paul said it, imitate me like I imitate Christ. You know, in our deeds, in our actions, in our dealings, the way we talk to people, the way we treat people, right? We're called to be like Christ. We're called to be like Christ in his commitment to the Father. Jesus said, I only say what I hear my Father say, and I only do what I see my Father do. See, Jesus is our example. He's our pattern. He's our pattern in compassion for sinners. People whose lives have been rotten and eaten up by sin. Jesus accepted every single one of them. He never turned any of them away. Jesus said, I will never cast out anyone who comes to me. And if you're here today or you're watching online, I just want to tell you that even if you're living your life buried under a pile of sin or your life has been destroyed by the weight of iniquity, I want to tell you one thing. Jesus Christ loves you. Jesus Christ loves you. And Jesus Christ accepts everyone just the way you are. Look at me. You know, it's a great honor to be able to stand right here behind my pastor's pulpit. Powerful, mighty man of God. Heart filled with compassion for everybody he meets. And that's real. That's real. See, we're called to follow Christ in his compassion for sinners. And we're called to follow him in his mercy for the weak. Let us not forget the simple gospel that Jesus Christ has left us. Because we know that for those who don't have, how many of you guys know that Jesus Christ is enough? Come on, somebody. Who provides? <laughs> right? Who provides? Regardless of where they're at in life, regardless of how raggedy their clothes might look, regardless of how uneducated they might be, right? Jesus accepts them all with open arms. It doesn't matter how oppressed or depressed you might be. Jesus Christ loves you, and he accepts you. Jesus will take you in even when everyone else rejects you. Even when everyone rejects you and turns their backs on you, guess what? Jesus is our example. His courage in the face of opposition. Man, you know, I, I read these scriptures, and I think, and I'm like, wow, how courageous Jesus was. I'm going to be honest with you guys, man. I'm going to be straight up. Can I be straight up with you today? <laughs> Come on, somebody. For me to sit down and, and write a sermon, do the research, that, that's easy for me. 
I love the word of God. I don't mind studying. That's, that, that's, that's not hard for me. But to stand up here before all you guys and speak like this, it's hard. <laughs> Being honest with you guys, right? It's hard for me. You know, but I, I think back of my Jesus Christ. Sorry that I personalized it, right? My Jesus. <laughs> Our Jesus Christ, right? And, and, I, and I look when he stood in those open air settings 2,000 years ago. Right? When he preached in those open air settings 2,000 years ago. And there was Pharisees. There were Sadducees. There was scribes. There was zealots. There were people who hated Jesus. People who plotted against Jesus. And wanted to kill him. But guess what? Jesus still preached that word unflinchingly. Right? That's a great example. I think about those times when Jesus preached and people heard him and they cared nothing for his words of grace. You know, who instead they plotted his death. But Jesus was courageous. See, so you and I, we have to follow Jesus in such a way. We need to stand courageously for the truth, even when no one else will, especially in these times. You and I need to stand, just like Joshua, Joshua said in Joshua 1.9, he said, be bold and courageous. So I pray that God gives us all the strength to be bold and courageous like Jesus in the face of opposition. Because Jesus is the road that we travel on, and yet Jesus is a companion that we travel with. There's a paradox for you, huh? <laughs> that even though that Jesus has gone ahead of us, he has not gone from us. Believe me, brothers and sisters, you have never been alone on that road that you've been on. Jesus said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And don't rely on whatever you feel. Jesus is not with you because of what you feel or because of your feelings. Jesus is by you because he said that he would be by you. And his word is true. He sticks to his word. He's faithful to his word. And he's not just the, com the companion beside you. He's the companion within you. Amen? Which means that Jesus doesn't only encourage, he empowers. And I know that it's only by his grace and his might that I could stand up here before you guys. Jesus Christ is a distance that we travel to. Heaven is our home. And why is heaven our home? Because of Jesus. Come on, somebody. Right now, I want every single one of you guys to think of the day when you get to see Jesus with your very own eyes. Think about how you felt before you knew Christ, the way you were before you knew Christ. Think about how your life is now that you know Christ. Right? Think of the day that you're able to stand before Jesus. And he welcomes you. He welcomes you into a kingdom that you've inherited before the foundations of the world were even created. Like, wow. He's not speaking parables or riddles or mysteries. He looks at you and says, this is your home. No more imagination. No more fears. No more tears. No more Jesus movies. No more chosen. I like the chosen, by the way. <laughs> But the genuine face of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, looking at you. And we get to see him face to face. Jesus is the destination that every single one of us travels to. And whether you believe in Christ or not, Jesus is the destination 
of every end of everybody. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He's everyone's destination. Even those who mocked him, those who scoffed at him, those who were too busy for him, they will all take a place before him. You know, last week, Pastor Marcus said something when he quoted Pastor Ron. You know, Pastor Ron said that we're all going to see Jesus, whether it's in our time or when he comes for everybody, but we're all going to see him, right? Even those who rejected him. See, Jesus comes knocking on every heart. And every heart that opens, he makes room for them. Jesus brings salvation, deliverance, peace, joy, everlasting life to those, to those hearts on whom he knocks. And those who keep the door closed and the curtain shut, those who shut their ears and close their eyes and want nothing to do with Jesus Christ of Nazareth, and like even those who reject him, will see the beauty that they once rejected. They will see the love that they refused and see the mercy and grace that they trampled on. They will see the love that they hated. They will see the salvation that they neglected. So my question to everyone here today is, how will you see Jesus when he comes? Or when you're standing before him face to face? I want you to think about that. So right now what I'm going to do is I'm going to share uh, three points as I bring this sermon to conclusion. Uh, point number one is intimacy, deepening our lives. Intimacy is a state of being intimate, belonging, or characterizing one's deepest nature. Intimacy is marked by a very close association, contact, or familiarity Relationally, intimacy is a warm and satisfying friendship developing through long association on a very personal and private level. I want to encourage you guys, spend time with Jesus. And I know that right now I'm talking to some mighty men and mighty women of God. I'm not talking to babes. I could look around, pretty much just name everybody here. You know, but it's important that we're intimate before God. You know, we could fool man for a minute, but we can't fool God. We could fool man for a minute, but we can't fool God for one second. Amen. Point number two is simplicity, uncluttering the mind. Too much clutter in the mind leaves insufficient room for devotion to Christ. Amen. And point number three, prayer, calling out. Prayer is listening as well as speaking, receiving, as well as asking, and its deepest mood is friendship held in reverence. So the daily prayer should end as it begins, in adoration. Amen?